0: It is MLB Morning Coffee's 30 Teams in 30 Days, a production of the Athletes Unfiltered Podcast Network, and as always, we are recording from the Ocean Avenue studios in San Francisco, California. Yesterday, we were in Boston, Massachusetts, previewing the Boston Red Sox. Today, we head back to the Midwest, to the city of St. Louis, where we're talking St. Louis Cardinal baseball, and joining me to do so, he is the host of the Locked On Cardinals podcast. It is Lucas Smith. Lucas? Thank you for joining us out here on an early morning on the West Coast. Good morning to you in Columbia, Missouri.
1: Thank you. Good morning to you as well. Happy to be here. Like I said, I'm always happy to talk Cardinal baseball, so there's, there's not a t- day and time or night that I won't do this, so I
0: appreciate you reaching out. Should be a fun time. The NL Central to me is probably one of the most ambiguous divisions entering this year, and that's with the Arenado trade aside because the Brewers got worse, in my opinion, although now with Jackie Bradley Jr., they may have gotten better. The Reds, I thought, had the most talent on paper, but they didn't do anything to get better. They got worse by letting Trevor Bauer walk. And the Cubs are in this weird state of, we don't want to spend money, but then we'll spend money on other people. And then there's the Cardinals, who are just the same team that they were last year, but they go out and they get Nolan Arenado. Do you think that the Cardinals are head and above the best team in the NL Central?
1: You know, I, I struggle to say head and shoulder. I struggle to say head and shoulders above everybody else. I do think that, that, that they're the favorites, but I, on, to be honest with you, I really like the Jackie Bradley uh, Jr. move of the uh, the Brewers. Um, I, I think that that helps their outfit a lot. But I do think that the Cardinals are the clear favorites because I mean, this is a team that made the playoffs last year. Um, granted, twenty twenty was weird, but like you said, this is basically the same team. Plus Nolan Arenado, and any team Nolan Arenado is on instantly gets better. So I think that, that the Cardinals are definitely the the favorites. I like the Brewers a lot, though. I, I, I'm not going to sleep on the Brewers um, or anything like that. I, I like the Jackie Bradley move. I like the Colton Wong move that they made as well. So I don't think it's going to be a you know an 8-10 game gap. I think it's going to be closer to four or five games, somewhere in that range uh, between these two teams, because I think it's going to be a really fun year. But yes, I agree
0: the Cardinals are probably the slight favorites for sure. Mike Schilt rescued the Cardinals at the end of the disastrous finish to Mike Matheny's tenure, and he has won in St. Louis. Now, he hasn't taken the Cardinals over the top yet, but what are the overall evaluations of Mike Schilt as a manager at this point in time?
1: Yeah, overly positive. I mean, you mentioned he took over midseason. I think it was 2018 uh, when, when they let Matheny go. They made a playoff push. They didn't make the playoffs. But but then last year, they won the, or two, two years ago, 2019, they won the division crown, and Immediately, they they were the players weren't trying to to, to take a hit on Mike Theney, if you will, but they they were just really impressed with um, Schilt's communication skills. They were impressed with how much of a player first manager that Mike Schilt is, and the players absolutely love him. That they, they really do. they they have bought into the system. That they really buy into what he and pitching coach Mike Maddox are doing, and Jeff Albert, hitting coach, as well. So. Yeah, I mean, they took him into the NLCS and got swept last year, so there's definitely room for improvement. Not saying that, but uh, not saying there's not room for improvement, but the, the players absolutely love Mike Schilt, and I think he's going to be the manager for some time.
0: We are here with Lucas Smith of the Lockdown Cardinals podcast talking about the St. Louis Cardinals here on MLB Morning Coffee's 30 Teams in 30 Days. Nolan Arenado was one of the biggest trades of the offseason, and one of those trades that you felt like it was going to happen before too long. Not only do the Cardinals get one of the most talented third basemen in all of baseball, they get him for six years and at only 75% of what his contract was when they acquired him. Do the Cardinals see Nolan Arenado as sort of the next great franchise piece? Because I don't really feel like they've had this caliber of player Since Albert Pujols left.
1: Yeah, they definitely see him as one of the next faces of the franchise, if you will. I mean, and just to hit on that deal that you mentioned, worst case scenario, even if Nolan Arenado happens to walk this year because he's got a player option for after this season and after next, the Cardinals aren't paying him a cent this season. So they're getting 2021 Nolan Arenado for literally free, whether he stays or walks because of how that trade worked out. So they definitely see him as a corner piece. They wouldn't have have traded for him if they didn't. They were able to get him for no disrespect to anybody who left in that deal, but they were able to get a Nolan Arnado caliber player for for really not a whole lot, for for really nothing, if we're being quite honest with ourselves. So him, along with Paul Goldschmidt, who they also signed to a long-term deal last, last season, um, did they really see these two guys as as the, the, the future? I mean, going back to Albert Pujols, they had Albert and Scott Rowland at the corners back in the mid two thousands with these really dominant Cardinal teams, and I think that the Cardinals have the capability of, of having that again in Paul Goldschmidt, and Nolan Arenado, and Nolan Arenado might be even a little bit better than, than Scott Rowland was defensively. And offensively, I think Nolan Otto is going to be just fine. So yes, they see him as a cornerstone for the next handful of years. And I think a big part of that too is that they traded for him knowing they had a guy named Nolan Gorman, a prospect waiting in the wings who's probably only two years away. And now we're seeing Nolan Gorman get reps at second base. So they are definitely set on Nolan Arenado playing third base for the
0: foreseeable future. With the acquisition of Nolan Aronado. And with there being no universal DH in 2021, what do they do about Matt Carpenter?
1: <laughs> yeah, Carpenter's, Carpenter's an interesting one. He He's a guy that has had a lot of great moments in a corner uniform. I mean, I feel like one of the, the bigger ones is he was unconscious in August of 2018 when he went on his 30 home run the year. And to be honest, we, we, we've heard things of, oh, he's going to work on his bat speed. He's going to work on driving the ball the other way and, so far in spring, he's hitless. And I know spring training is what it is. I don't, don't want to read too much into that. But going hitless in your first 10 or 15 at-bats is, is is eye-opening. So right now, he thinks he can still win the job at second base. But that's probably going to be Tommy Edmonds to lose. And Tommy Edmonds has done nothing but hit this spring. He's, I think he has a hit in every game he's played in. He's hitting above, three, above 350. So um, that doesn't look like that's likely. Carpenter's not going to take Paul Goldschmidt's spot either at first days, which is where Carpenter last played full-time in uh, 2019. So I think that he he's going to be a bench bat. He's going to be a left-handed bat off the bench. He'll be there when Edmund, um, Arnato or Goldschmidt need a day off, which for the latter two might not be a whole lot of days. So I think Carpenter's consistent playing time in St. Louis is over, barring any injury, knock on wood. But uh, I, I do think that he's going to be a bench bat for his last year in St. Louis.
0: We're here with Lucas Smith, host of the Locked On Cardinals podcast here on MLB Morning Coffee's 30 Teams in 30 Days. I do want to transition quickly to Goldschmidt. At least by the ratios, Paul Goldschmidt had one of his worst power years last year. Now, he still hit over 300, and his on-base was still over 400. So you have to look at that and say, all right, that's good. But with a lineup that at least on the infield, your only other power bat is Nolan Arenado. Actually, you know what? Scratch that. They have a pretty powerful infield. But what I will say is this. It was probably the least productive power year that Goldschmidt has had in quite some time. Is there any concern in regards to his power after last year?
1: Yes and no. I think that 2020 is a, was a weird year on a whole bunch of fronts, but um, sports specifically, baseball, Numbers I take, honestly, like, yes, you have to look at them, obviously, but I don't look at 2020 as deeply as they look at 2019, to be quite honest with you, just because of the abnormality of last year, and especially with the Cardinals having that uh, 17, 18 day layoff in between games um, after the the month of the month's, month's hiatus that they had, because uh, Cardinals had a COVID problem. So concern, yes, but also you go back two years ago, Goldschmidt hit 34 home runs and only hit 264. So he's kind of gone back and forth in that sense in his two years in a quarter uniform, but you're absolutely right. The ratio was way down. Um, but that said, he still was second on the team in home runs with those six that you mentioned, um, took so c- concern. Yes. There's always concern with, with the guy that, that is on the, in the process of aging, such as Paul Goldschmidt is getting up there. So, um, not not a concern as a fact of oh my gosh what are we going to do with the third place in the lineup? I still think Goldschmidt has 25, 30 home run potential, and if he hit, if if he and Arnado both hit anywhere between twenty five and thirty home runs, that's a win for St. Louis. Um, and like you mentioned, Paul DeYoung can go on a tear when he needs to. But yeah, so and I'm not t- trying to chicken out of the answer, but yes and no. There's concern uh, just because of last year, but also um, I think Goldschmidt's going to be just fine.
0: Yadier Molina was brought back on a one-year deal, and he's one of the most beloved Cardinals of all time. But that's not the question here. (laughs) They have to have a plan after this year because you can't realistically have Yadier Molina as your starting catcher at age 39. Even if his offense declines, we know how effective he is as a handler of the pitching staff. So I guess my question to you is, is there a transition plan for anybody behind Yadier Molina moving into 2022?
1: Yeah, there, there really is. To be honest with you, they have a catcher right now that's going to be the backup catcher this year, named Andrew Kisner. Uh, he's a younger guy. He's been in the major leagues. I think this will be his fourth, third, third year. I'm sorry, um, at the major league level at some capacity, and he, he's good. The Cardinals have have always never really had to think about who's going to be the next guy, and that they're starting to think about that now. But with Kisner. They, to my estimation, he's going to be the catcher for next year, maybe even 2023, but they have a 20 year old prospect right now that they're really high on named Ivan Herrera. Um, he is, he's done nothing but hit the minor league levels. I don't have the stats pulled up, but, but he hes a guy that just needs to grow into himself. He, you know, he just needs to grow into his body and develop a little bit more power, but defensively they, they see Herrera as the, uh, as, as not maybe Yadier Molina ask, but on the same track of being that solid defensively. Um, so, my estimation would be Yadi finishes out this year, probably retires at the end of this year, if we're being honest with ourselves. Andrew Kisner starts next year or the year after, and that he'll be kind of the buffer in between the Yadier Molina era and the Ivan Herrera era. Say that 10 times fast. <laughs> but uh, so, yes, yeah, so that, that's kind of the plan. And, um, yeah, Yadi's definitely beloved here in St. Louis. And there was a debate for all the offseason of whether or not the Cardinals should be overpaying him. And I always said, if you just take a blind look at the stats – the Cardinals overpaid Yadier Molina, but then you put the name on it. The Cardinals did not pay, overpay Yadier Molina. Um, it's just what he brings in tangibly to this ball club. And we, we saw the other day, he taunted this guy to steal second base, proceeded to call a changeup and threw him out by 10 feet. So it's just little things like that. And like, like you mentioned, handling the pitching staff. So um, yeah. Yeah. His offense is going to be what it is. That might be one of the bigger holes in the lineup, to be quite honest with you, that that is a concern of mine. But defensively and intangibly, Yadier Molina is always going to be Yadier Molina. But that's the plan. Kisner, Herrera, I mean, those are the two guys. Those are the two names that I would keep in the back of my head for who's uh, behind the plate next year.
0: We're here with Lucas Smith of the Lockdown Cardinals podcast here on MLB Morning Coffee's 30 Teams in 30 Days. I'm looking at, Paul de Young as somebody that, as you mentioned earlier, if he has a really good year, then the Cardinals have a really good year. But I also look at Paul de Young as somebody that he's never hit above 250 other than his rookie season. The power numbers are good. The strikeout numbers are bad. Mm-hmm. Paul de Young is still signed through 2023. And I know that this isn't a decision that the Cardinals have to make for a while, but do you think that he'll be the shortstop beyond 2023? And if not, are they going to start to try and work somebody in in the next year and a half that will eventually be that long-term franchise shortstop?
1: Yeah, I think the problem with Paul DeYoung has always been the consistency, right? When We we, we see him go, especially after COVID, because he had COVID this year and came back and hit like a monster for four or five games. And then we see him hit under 200 in September of last year. So consistency has always been his problem. And I'm of the state of mind that this is a make or break year for Paul DeYoung, especially with all the shortstop options and next year's free agent class. Um, you've got Lindor, Trevor Story, might want to reunite him with Nolan Arenado. You've got Corey Seager, I believe, Carlos Correa, so if, if the Cardinals don't see Paul DeYoung as an option, a long-term option uh, based on his performance this year, then I, I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and get one of those shortstops because you're going to have Matt Carpenter's contract off the books after this year. You're going to have Dexter Fowler's contracts completely off the books this year because they're still paying him even though he's been traded to Los Angeles. You're most likely going to opt out of Carlos Martinez's contract unless Carlos Martinez pitches out of his mind this year. So internally, I don't I don't know if they have anybody they want to play their long-term but I think that if Paul DeYoung is um, – if he struggles this year, doesn't have the year that that we've all been waiting for since that rookie year, like you mentioned, don't be surprised if the Cardinals at least make an effort for one of those other shortstops on the free agent market. But um, – there's a couple other guys that I'm sure we'll talk about, but for, for especially for Paul DeYoung 2021 might be as close to a make or break year as you can get um, just with um, like you said, that contract and the free agent class next year. So Um, no, I would not be surprised if they pursue that option, but we'll see what Paul DeYoung can do uh, consistency wise this season.
0: It's a really young outfield for the Cardinals, but one that has a lot of upside (laughs) people love Dylan Carlson, the power numbers for Tyler O'Neill are unquestioned throughout his time in the minor leagues. And Harrison Bader is really the veteran of this outfield at this point. Yeah, What is the concern in this outfield and what is the biggest upside? Because I can't really seem to tell, at least from the outside, how Cardinal fans feel about what appears to be a pretty young starting outfield.
1: Well, it depends on which side of Cardinal Nation you ask. To be quite honest, there are guys that love Harrison Bader because of the analytics and the sabermetrics and all this stuff, and and there are guys that hate Harrison Bader because he strikes out too much and all these things. Um, So, in Cardinal Nation, you either love Harrison Bader or you hate him. And again, I'm not trying to to fish out of anything, but I'm in between. I understand the sabermetrics, and I understand that he strikes out a ton and doesn't doesn't really hit for a lot. Um, He'll go on these little four or five game stretches that improve his numbers, but I think that there's some information where he went on like a four or five game streak. He is in Harrison Bader this year, where he hit, you know, three or four doubles, a home run, stuff like that. And that raised his slugging and on base percentage like 40 or 60 points um, each. So if we take those games out, those, those numbers drop to just at league average. So I think, best case scenario. Dylan Carlson hits about 280, which is about what he's, you know, at best, what he can do is um, it's about what he did in his second call up last year. And um, as a switch hitter, he provides a little bit of pop and a little bit of speed. Harrison Bader's able to get on base more and cut down the strikeouts. And Tyler O'Neill is able to put it all together. Um, we, we've seen him produce at stretches. He's done really well this spring. But I, I think that this might be, a, this is a year, it could be a perfect storm for good or bad. If Bader and O'Neill continue this trend um, and Carlson has a sophomore slump, then you have probably one of the worst outfields in baseball. I mean, th- they were last year, statistically speaking. And you have a, a, the other perfect storm as if Carlson lives to his hype, Bader um, is able to put some things together, get on base more, use that speed. O'Neill is able to put together the contact with, like you mentioned, the light tower power then you've got probably one of the the top outfields in all of baseball. So it it really is one of those things of of what ifs and me personally, I hate what if questions um, in my personal life and in sports, but this really is a huge what if question of what are these guys going to be able to do? And I'm excited. I think that this could be a little bit more towards the ladder where guys start to put things together. We've seen that in spring training. Um, Carlson has a number of hits. O'Neill's had a home run and a handful of extra base hits. Uh, Bader's working his way back from a little bit of a, a forearm pain, but, I'm excited for this outfield. I really am.
0: We're here with Lucas Smith of the Locked On Cardinals podcast. We are talking St. Louis Cardinal baseball here on MLB Morning Coffee's 30 Teams in 30 Days. I want to transition to the pitching now. Yes. I have asked several of our guests about long-term contracts and how important it is for young stars to be able to lock them up long-term for the sake of building around your franchise, when are the Cardinals going to give Jack Flaherty the multi-year contract that he so deserves?
1: <laughs> That's a great question because there's this whole thing with the arbitration case. The the Cardinals lost their first arbitration case with Jack Flaherty. Um, this is the first time they lost a case since 1994. There are some rumblings of, "Oh my gosh, Cardinals and Jack Flaherty hate each other. they're they're not going to do anything." And Jack Flaherty came out and said, "Easy, I'm not thinking." He- Jack Flaherty simply is not thinking about the future. He's thinking about this season. He has, based on his his comments and his his tweets, which is weird to say, but based on his tweets and his his personality, he's not thinking post twenty twenty one. He really isn't. So I don't I don't see a contract coming for Flaherty in the future. But I I think the Cardinals need to at some point. At least start start the negotiation process because if you start it too late, then he, Flaherty has the upper hand. And as much as I love Jack Flaherty, and as much as I think Jack Flaherty could be the future of this staff, you you still don't want to overpay, right? So I think that 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 that, that clock, the internal clock, and the Cardinal standpoint of okay, we got to start thinking about what kind of money we we want to delve out to this possible future All Star, if saw a young winner, that that clock needs to start ticking now. Um, but in terms of when that's gonna happen. I don't know. I mean, again, the Cardinals have a lot of money coming off the books this offseason, like I mentioned. So maybe to spend that money that they're going to lock up some of their guys, maybe they lock up a Dylan Carlson. Maybe they lock up a Paul DeYoung. If he does well, maybe they lock up a Jack Flaherty if he's able to do what he needs to do. Um, But yeah, absolutely. I'm sure we'll talk about the rest of the pitching staff, but it all begins and ends with Jack Flaherty. I mean, he's going to start opening day. I think he might even start the home opener, depending on how that's lined up, but Jack Flaherty is going to set the tone. And I think that he's going to have a really solid year after a, um, an underwhelming 2020, so I think he's he set up for a
0: good year. So I do want to transition now to another starting pitcher that I have serious questions about, and this is a long-term thing in regards to Miles Michaelis. He was injured mm. pretty much all of last year. He's not mm. going to be ready for Opening Day. Are the Cardinals worried about his long-term durability? Because it certainly looks like, at this point, you can rely more on a 38- or 39-year-old Adam Wainwright than you can on Miles Michaelis at this point.
1: Yeah, Wainwright has certainly impressed in 2021 spring training because he struck out five in three innings the other day. But uh, actually, it's it's funny you mention that because this morning – there were some uh, scans or tests that was performed performed on Michaelis's elbow because his, his bullpen sessions have been continued to, to be pushed back, right. Because of this, this, uh, this injury, this nagging concern. And, you know, publicly the Cardinals are saying that, that, that there, there is no concern. like They're just being cautious. They're just, they're just waiting it out. But at some point you do have to wonder what is his durability. I mean, uh, and I, like I said, publicly, there's no huge concern on the Cardinals front point standpoint. They're, they're saying might not be opening day, but he's going to be ready this year. He's not going to sit out this year um, is what the, the, what the reports are saying. But I'm starting to get to that point with with you of like, what what are we going to get from Michaelis? Because in 2018, he um, you know, 18 wins area under three, all these great numbers last year, I think 14 losses in the area over four. I um, mean, uh, or two years ago, I'm sorry. And then in last year, like you said, didn't play because of the injury. and. This year, he's he's yet to pitch in a spring training game, let alone in a in a simulated sense. He's played some catch, but it's getting to that point where you, you've got to wonder: Is Michael in your starting rotation opening day, or does he need to go to AAA to to get some to get the innings? He needs to get to prepare um, because he he's yet to progress the way the Cardinals want him to this spring. So there definitely is some some concern, but um, I don't think we're going to start seeing any public concern for
0: another week or so. A real big question that I have is in regards to Carlos Martinez, because Martinez was a part of the Cardinal rotation from 2015 until midway through 2018, moves to the bullpen. Then in 2019, he becomes the team's closer. And in 2020, he's back in the rotation, but he's awful. What is the role for Carlos Martinez moving into this season? And does the lack of rotation depth, at least from the outside, make you think that, he's probably back in the rotation to start this year, as opposed to the bullpen, where I think by all accounts, he's a much better and more effective pitcher. Yeah,
1: I think that the, the lack of depth, I, I think, yeah, like you said, I, I don't think that's the reason why Martinez is going to be a starter this year. I think he's going to be a starter because simply because he wants to be. I mean, he he is a guy that, that's kind of earned like he he because he's going to be able to at least say Schilt, this is my preferred rotation, this is my preferred spot, right? Um, and he impressed a little bit. He played winter ball, I believe it was Dominican Republic, um, somewhere, um, somewhere in that that area, and, and impressed for the most part. Put together a couple of good starts, a hand, you know, a handful of good starts and a couple of bad ones, and he had an atrocious start in his first outing, and then two days ago comes out and pitches three scoreless innings against the Mets. And that's always been a question, right, of which Carlos Martinez you going to get. Even in his early days of 2013 and 2014, when you had him in the bullpen, it was what Carlos Martinez are you going to get, right? So Martinez, if if he pitches mediocre this spring training, um, which, you know, take his his bad start and his good start, make that mediocre, right? Uh, Split the difference there he's going to be in the starting rotation. Um, And again, I'm going to just, I I don't think there's a lack of depth. You've got some AAA guys that again um, might not be known, but Martinez is going to start this year unless he, unless he pitches himself out of it, if that makes any sense. And I I agree with you. I think he he is statistically at least better in the bullpen, but he's a guy that wants to start. And you know what? I think that there are a lot of Cardinal fans that want to give up on Martinez that are just done with him. Um, And I always say, I, I'm, a, I'm going to give him one more start, right? Just one more. He can do it, right? So, um, But I think that Martinez um, can impress people this this year if he's able to get the opportunity. And right now, he's slated for that fifth starting rotation spot. But with, with Michaelis Hurt and Kim struggling in his, his two starts, maybe Martinez is your third starter. Who knows? But um, I don't see Martinez not starting this year, at least at the start of the
0: season. How much at this point can you rely on Adam Wainwright to be a consistent piece of this rotation?
1: You know what? I have learned to not bet against Adam Wainwright because he has been there for so long, done so many incredible things. I mean, honestly, last... I'm sorry, in 2019 in the postseason, he was probably the Cardinals' best pitcher. Pitched really well in Game 3 against Atlanta and the NLDS and pitched really well in two outings against Washington. He, he came back in relief in Game 4 because um, they didn't know if that was going to be his last outing or not. But, yeah, I, I've simply learned to not bet against Adam Wainwright. There is a question. That, yes, he's going to have his bad starts. He, he's going to have his blow-up starts. He's sort of not, not trying to say Mark Wainwright's going to go out and win the Cy Young this year. But in terms of reliability on the long in the long run, on the whole of this season. Um, I, I trust Adam Wainwright. I think he, he's able to turn it on when he needs to, whether it be a big start on a slump, whether it be in a postseason start. He did this multiple times last year. Um against the Chicago White Sox in the first game in 17 days, Adam Wainwright goes out and pitches four five four inning five innings, excuse me, uh, which nobody thought that he was he was gonna do. The Cardinals were on a three game losing streak last year against Cleveland, comes out and pitches a complete game shutout or at least a complete game so he can turn it on when he needs to and this might just be my carnal bias but (laughs) i'm not betting against adam wayne I i'll tell you that much
0: what are your thoughts in regards to alex reyes this is somebody that i've heard a lot about over the years but i really can't quite figure him out
1: yeah reyes is a guy that that has Electric stuff. He really does. He's, he was the Cardinals top prospect for a while, um, brought him up as a starter, bullpen a couple of appearances in the minor leagues or in the major leagues, excuse me, 2017, I believe it was, and um, wants to start and gets hurt. He has um, a pretty significant injury history. Um, so the Cardinals are working him back ever so slightly. He's got electric, I can't say it any other way, he's got electric stuff. He's got a really good fastball, curveball, slider, and a changeup. Pretty basic mix, um, but the, the stuff is there. The Cardinals have, have said that they're going to, Pretty much, I don't know. I don't know if it's a hard cap, but they're looking for 100 innings out of Alex Reyes this year, and that's going to be in kind of of a hybrid role, right? Because most relievers don't get that many, and most starters get more than that. So I'm not going to say he's going to start a lot, but if you have a starter blow up and you need somebody to eat innings, Alex Reyes is going to go out there and try. They're going to try and have him go three or four innings. It's going to be a hybrid role, Um, and, and the goal the Cardinals have said this is to set him up to work him back this year to be able to start. Next year, uh, they don't want to rush him back to start this year, um, but that that is the long term goal for Alex Reyes. And if he's able to stay healthy, we've seen the results. He he he's pitched very well this spring. I don't think he's given up an early run yet. He was able to work out of a jam on Sunday, I believe it was. So this is a guy that that has the stuff and the capability. It's just a matter of putting it all together. Um, and I, I think that the, I'm really excited for for him in the back end of the bullpen, not closing necessarily, but he, he is somebody that, that can really get a lot of outs in the back end and when needed can go two, three, four innings uh, to eat innings as well. So um, Alex Reyes, I think I'm not trying to be too optimistic and blindly optimistic, but um, I, I think he's got some good things in store for 2021.
0: We're here with Lucas Smith of the Lockdown Cardinals podcast, previewing the 2021 St. Louis Cardinals. Andrew Miller, after a rough first season in St. Louis, had a great bounce back in 2020, although he only pitched in 13 innings. Is there hope that Andrew Miller is going to be the same guy that he was in Cleveland and New York? <laughs> I don't think the
1: hope is quite that high, uh, but but there is hope that he can look a little bit more like he did last year, right? Um and he, he battled COVID this offseason. We learned that that's why he reported late to camp and had a rough outing his first outing. But um, yeah, I, I don't think that the hopes you know are quite that high in terms of he's not going to pitch like he did in the 2016 postseason, right? But but there but there are hopes that he can get outs and he can be an effective reliever, um, and get both lefties and righties out. Um, because other than, um, because Genesis Cabrera is going to be able to go lefty and righty, Tyler Webb's probably going to be only to go lefty and Andrew Miller's a guy that can do both with that slider that he has. So, um, yeah, like I said, the hopes aren't quite that high, but there are hopes that he can pitch more like he did last year rather than 2019. Who is this team's closer? Closer right now is, is probably is going to start off as Giovanni Gallegos. Uh, he's been the closer for a handful of years. I think he's earned it. That said, Jordan Hicks is working his way back. And when you think of a closer, you think of Jordan Hicks's stuff. Electric fastball, wipeout slider. Um, you know, Hicks is known for, I think he touched 105 against Philadelphia a couple of years ago. Um, but Hicks is a guy that um, probably not going to touch 100 anymore after coming back from Tommy John surgery um, and then an opting out of last year due to, uh, to health concerns and and things like that but Giovanna Gallegos is going to start at the closer he's been there for two uh, b- about a year now um whenever Martinez wasn't a closer 2019 it was Gallegos so um yeah it'll be Gallegos and then the Cardinals have options they've got Reyes if they want they're going to have Hicks if they want um they're going to have Henesis Cabrera who's an electric left-hander if they want so again I don't think there's going to be a closer by committee scenario but I don't think that Gallegos is going to have the opportunity to get 35-40 saves. Um, He's going to be the primary guy, but at the same time, I don't think the Cardinals are too concerned with save numbers to say, okay, we've got three lefties. Let's go with Genesis Cabrera this inning, something like that. So um, it'll be Gallegos to start, and the Cardinals have plenty of options in that regard.
0: We're just about wrapped up here on our preview of the St. Louis Cardinals with Lucas Smith, and we thank you for your time, Lucas. I think that for the Cardinals, this is a year to where they can win the National League Central, but looking at the rest of the National League, I don't think there's a wild card team coming out of the NL Central. And that's not to bash on the NL Central as a whole. I just feel like a wild card team is coming from the NL West and you could have potentially three teams vying for a wild card spot in the National League East. Am I wrong in assessing that the winner of the NL Central is the only playoff team from that division?
1: No, you're not. Um, And this is a a team, a division that had four playoff teams last year all get bounced in the first round. Um, But I think with the improvements the Padres have made after knocking out the Cardinals in that first round, um, the the Braves are still going to be the Braves. The Nationals, I think, are going to bounce back from a strong, a weak year. the the Mets are the Mets, and who knows? Maybe even the Marlins get 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 hot, and the NL East gets a little bit more compact. But who knows? But no, I think you're absolutely you're absolutely right. The Cardinals or whoever wins the NL Central, to be quite honest, not to, to jinx anything too early, but um, the NL Central, barring anything crazy, is only going to have one representative in the postseason this year. And and like you said, that's not trying to bash against the NL Central, but it is you know, call a spade a spade, right? The, the NL Central is probably the weakest division there is, um, especially in the National League. You could argue the AL Central and the AL, but in the National League, even with the NL West having three weaker teams, the Padres and Dodgers carry that division. Um, so yeah, the, whoever wins the Central is probably going to um, be the lone representative this, this postseason.
0: Lucas, thank you so much for your time. Before I let you go, let everybody know where they can follow you and where they can follow your work.
1: Absolutely. appreciate you having me. This was a good time. Uh, you can follow the, my show locked on Cardinals on Twitter or Instagram, L O underscore Cardinals. And then you can follow me on Twitter at L J fastball, and you can find the podcast anywhere. You get your podcast radio.com, Spotify, Apple stitcher, anywhere Just search locked on Cardinals. Make sure you're not going to the Arizona Cardinals. Make sure you get the, the blue logo, which is mine. Um, and I'm, I'm pumping out episodes five days a week, anywhere from 25 to 30 minutes, um, Monday to Friday. Um, and, and, if you're not a Cardinal fan, if you're a fan of the other NL Central teams, Locked On Podcast Network has a podcast for every team. But hope to have you listen and interact with me on my show. And once again, thanks for having me today. I appreciated
0: it. Absolutely. That is Lucas Smith of the Locked On Cardinals podcast. Tomorrow, I don't know where we're going because I haven't booked a guest yet. But anyways, thanks for listening to this edition of MLB Morning Coffee's 30 Teams in 30 Days. We will talk to you tomorrow, and if it's not with another guest, well, it looks like yours truly is just going to have to do one himself. Thanks, everybody.